Welcome to the Fallout Podcast. I believe it is episode 32, aka Spiders, aka the Softness Group PLC. It is a Paul Puddy of all 525 songs in the issuing of exceptional tyranny, permanently slit into four conurbations. 7785, 86 to 93, 94, 01, and 02 to 17. We're currently in round one of the Jim Carner, where we will abide forever. And um, tonight, we have Frightened up against Steven Song. We have Life Just Bounces against Wrong Place, Right Time. Stay Away Old White Train against Crop Dust. And Venice with the Girls up against Kinder of Spine. Joined, as always, by Lord Sage Temple, currently staging a one-man interpretation of Pender's Fen in his kitchen. How's that going, Ezra? Very well. And I have to salute you for using the word conurbations. Very good. It's, it's amazing what uh, typing in place slash synonym into Google will come up with. And joined with Monsieur Pippington Behard, whose back garden is now clean, I hope. Uh, Jungle-bound lion, kangaroo and foxes. How goes it, Pip? Well, I, I thought I'd try something different uh, this week. Are you, are you ready? So actually, you know, because we, we get a lot of criticism about the production values, we do. don't we? So uh, I, I, shall I go for it? Just, just cue me up again. You, you say it again. And here is a bald prick. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. I'm good. In fact, you could say my life just bounces. Of course, I've seen more than I think in this dark room. And by that, of course, I mean that the connection to Tim 3 is sharper than a comedy devil's pitchfork. It looks like this is the right time, right place for me to stay away from crop dusting and be kinder to my spine with those girls from Venice. Well done. You win prize of the week for a golden introduction. And also, we have the Pemberton Walker slash Cycler. Are you still smitten by the children of Newton and Kit Green? Oh, God, yeah. Kit Green, what a place. Pines uh, Factory, largest food production place in Europe. Exactly, keep that secret. And Tim Three, <laughs> formerly known as DJ John Peel, uh, still in the fourth circle of hell with throngs of former clergymen um, occasionally crashing into one another using extremely heavy weights on their chest. And myself, Treebeard, the host, vigorously mixing the emulsifier in a fat oil stable emulsion. A message here from, who knows who that's from, but let's have a see. The message says, gauntlet slung. And uh, one can only hope that will reap rewards in the future. But we are joined by a uh, special guest, a friend of Alistair's who goes by the name of Brian Droid, former Ibiza club entertainer and all-round man of the world. Bri, how are you? And who are you? Fine. <clears throat> I'm fine. A little hungover. Uh, ventured out for the first time in a while last night. Uh, some friends were DJing, doing a kind of 60s funky night. Not, not really funky, more kind of retro 60s with the seeds and all that kind of stuff. Somebody was celebrating a divorce. So it was tequilas all round. You celebrate on the way in. You might as well celebrate on the way out as well. <clears throat> yeah, there was, there was a wall, a wall of uh, possible shots 
to try and we weren't sure which one was appropriate for divorce uh, but we settled on tequila very good and that became the drink of the night so a little hungover but I'm based in Belgium I'm coming to you from Belgium here okay nice and um, what's your what's your love or history of the fall in the <clears throat> rock band right well uh, I first encountered the fall it was in 79 I think we went on a school trip to Manchester but I mean I, I encountered the fall like most people through Mr John Peel so I heard the fall on John Peel and on this school trip to Manchester we went to the Walker Art Gallery to see the Warhol exhibition and afterwards we were given a couple of hours to run riot in the city and I took the other boys down to Affleck's Palace where there was a nice little record store and I bought a copy of Fiery Jack which I'd heard on Peel the week before so that was my intro to the fall and in fact, I knew I knew about this shop because the year before, let's see, this would be 1979, the trip was in 80. Um, the school proposed a Manchester Youth Theatre. There was a poster in the school corridor and there was only me and my mates who, who were interested. So the school said, oh yeah, somebody's interested in a school of 600 kids. Yeah, Let's send them to Manchester. So we had to audition. We were scenery painters uh, for Shakespeare Productions. And they sent us at the age of 15, they sent us for eight weeks to live in Manchester unsupervised in empty halls of residence. So we were 15 years old and we were living the life of students and some older kids looked after us. And um, these these kids, they took me, they took me to the Russell Club, which was known as the Factory at the time, to see The Damned. That was my first gig at the age of 15. I was terrified. And and sadly, they didn't take me the week after. It was Joy Division. Right. But uh, these things, you know, just missed the window. I was too young uh, to to be autonomous in these things. I knew Manchester because of that trip, because of those eight weeks living as a feral teenager. So we found this really cool record shop and it had all the songs that you heard on Peel the week before, you know, Glaxo Babies and you name it, they were all there. And Fiery Jack was there, so that was my first fall purchase. It's a good one. It's a good one to start with. We haven't done Fiery Jack yet, have we, uh, on the show? We played a, a cover of it the other week by Yummy Fur, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, we haven't uh, we haven't come across it yet. But a good bunch of tracks this evening, some hidden gems. And um, let's have a listen to the first one. Uh, Phil, are you all right? I'm queuing up um, Frightened, Frickened, as we call it, in our way. <laughs>
Sweet, sweet, sweet. Philip, I'm coming to you first. What do you make of this one? Thanks, Brent. Oh, I don't need to do the voice. I don't. Um... No, but listen, <laughs> I have noticed something before you go off on one. Uh, uh-huh. Of those first six songs, one of them doesn't have a heart next to it. I hope you're not giving anything away there. No spoilers. It's uh, no, that's that's just so I don't mess up my Spotify list. That's all right. There's, there's no, there's no hints there. Don't be thinking you can game me based okay. on my Spotify likes. The floor is um, yours, Philip. Thank you very much, sir. So, as I've said many times before, it's not my not my favorite album. This, but I do love this track. The lyrics are absolutely amazing. I, I, I won't gush too much about the words because I know you guys will uh, will dig into that bit of it. But every single line's a gem in this song isn't it it's i think my takeaway from it is that the, the the music's quite quite interesting because there's it's got that sense of repetition even though the drums are really busy on it the drums are doing all kinds of stuff aren't they but the the key that plinky plonk keyboard is just nicely repetitive so it just keeps driving into it but i do feel musically like the band's playing catch up with marquis smith because I, I think the lyrics are just absolute gems every single one that he comes out with but i i, I like the stripped down feel to this one even though the, the drums are going ten to the dozen most of the time and I, I think this is in my head it's it's between this one and um, No Christmas for John Keys which is the best track on this album man. but uh, yeah big double thumbs up for me it's a big one isn't it Alistair what do you make of uh, Frightened it's a beautiful thing isn't it you know so the usual kind of witch tra- uh, trails kind of production in uh, the drum style, but it's a uh, kind of a, a, a bit of a plodder, like slow pace one, uh, which does give the drums plenty of scope for uh, really fast fills. Um, gives it a nice dynamic, and uh, when they get into the chorus, I, I do like that. But it's, it's kind of like garagey feeling. Again, I won't get into the lyrics too much, but I noticed the uh, the phrase in the people places, which reminded me of the Adam and Joe show where they did um, a makeover program, a bit like changing rooms, but just completely ruining people's houses. <laughs> Like doing like felt tip pictures of windows on the on walls and things like that. Um, but yeah, frightened, fucking fantastic. Aye, aye, Ezra. Yeah, this is such a fucking unbeatable track. I mean, I would put this at the start of any kind of fall compilation I was going to make for anybody, and. I- I'm not sure why, but to me, this is like on a level with The Electrician by Scott Walker in terms of a character study. It's incredible. And yeah, as has been said, Carl Burns' drums are just amazing on this. And for me, what I think is the real kind of nut of it is that like, you know, obviously this song is about a guy squirming in his own viscera because he's taken too much speed. And, you know, it's the drumming because, you know, the track is mid-tempo, but the frantic drumming pulls it out of that and and puts it onto this almost other plane, which is where you would be if you'd just like, you know, had a few grams of speed and then had to go and have tea with your grandparents or something. (laughs) And... Yeah, you know, it's like, um, let's see what I wrote here. The freedom of the modern is its own perfect trap, leaving the protagonist counting time, festering in the dark, and moving up and down the streets. Shears pointed straight at his chest. It, it's a very moving song. Brian, what does this one do for you? Where, are you, where do you stand on the frightened debate? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a yes from me, as they say. 
Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. The early stuff, Live of the Witch Trials, just kind of shambolic, shambolic, but uh, defiant and uh, cocky and not really. Um, and always the, the artwork, those early artwork was always really just bizarre. Yeah, I love it. I'm not very eloquent, I know, but... <laughs> No, no, it's not. The, the, the cover of Witch Trials, that starkness, we, we talked about it a bit uh, back. It really um, sets the tone, similar to Dragnet, for the, for the kind of scope of the album. Even though the art looks half assed sometimes it always seems to fit with what's going on inside. Yeah, it's almost like a fuck you to the potential purchaser. You know, yeah. if you can get past the artwork, you, you deserve to hear what's inside. Maybe. It's almost will, willfully uh, non graphic. You know, in the terms of graphic design and stuff. Yeah. And so my friend Richard, uh, who has a vegetarian restaurant, and he was he was a musician in the seventies in the UK, but he met a Belgian woman, and then when he retired from the civil service, they converted this cottage into a restaurant. And he's a big buyer of records. Um, <clears throat> just um, instinctively, uh, he doesn't know a lot about more modern music because he's a seventies guy. The last time I saw him, he said, "I've bought a. Do you know the Fall?" I said, yeah, yeah. He said, I bought a live album of The Fall. It's in my car. Do you want to see it? So he took me to his car and it was live at the Witch Trials. Okay. And I said to him, well, actually, Richard, it's not a live album. It's just called that. Oh, really? Oh, really? The guy wanted 100 for it, but I gave him 80. You know, so he paid 80 euros for a, a mint kind of uh, original pressing on vinyl. So he's a bit of a collector. So he was, he was showing it to me. I was enviously looking at it. He sometimes gives me records as a gift if he hasn't seen me for a while. Sadly, he didn't do that with this one. So a near miss, a near miss with an original pressing. Nice. What does Tim 3 uh, think about Frightened, Phil? Well, it's just tune into the ether. And he has said, Frightened, an early classic, sets off well <clears throat> decades of songs featuring references to paranoia and drug-induced alienation. Sounds raw as fuck with a squeaky clean guitar tone and a pleasant clean synth. Very punk in the chord progression. Banger. Yeah. So that chord progression, Smith actually does say apparently in a in an interview that it is. It started off as Stepping Stone by the Monkeys, which the Sex Pistols had also covered. And it was a slowed down version. It's a similar chord progression. And that, that's at its core, it is a really strong like pop chord progression. And then you throw those kind of like BBC synths over it. And um, I'm surprised no one brought up the guitars because that's one of the best things in it for me. The like all these eternal guitars going on and scratchy stuff. I, I'm a big fan. Phil's shaking his head. Our resident I think, funky guitarist Phil saying, "No, that's not good." Come I, on, I, defend uh, yourself. I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to push back on that, Brendan. Oh, as they on, say man. in the business world. <laughs> Because I, I I think that the second half of the of the song, the guitar playing, it just it just gets a bit gets a bit silly, gets a little bit over the top, the scratchy playing in it. I know why it would appeal to a layman like yourself, obviously, but uh, <laughs> to a seasoned ear and a professional professional guitarist, <laughs> <laughs> it over the edge. as a layman, it really really juices my goose. Actually, I I, I was going to talk about Martin Brammer's strafing of the. Um, Stratosphere on his Stratocaster, but I thought it might be cheesy. I just, I, all I put on my notes was the guitar's just trying a bit too hard in the second half. <laughs> Maybe someone here doesn't try hard enough. Hmm. <laughs> That's it, Phil. Um, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, think about the context, historical context. 
<laughs> I, I think Smith's laconic delivery, it works well. And then Funky Burns pushing it along in the days when he was allowed to play drum fills and all those things. And yes, I'm in a trance and I sweat. Apparently he wrote this when he was 16 and it almost got on Bingo's Master's Breakout, but they weren't happy with the version. So it was pushed to witch trials. That idea of going sideways again, just step sideways. I spent hours looking sideways to the time when I was 16 because they originally called The Outsiders very much a Camus. He's hanging in the shadows. He's got his hood up. He's, he's watching them come out the pubs and he's thinking, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Again, his friend Stephen, who uh, dropped in that line of when you want to live, where do you go? Where do you start? Who do you need to know? It's very much the same kind of idea. He's torn between wanting to be part of this thing and being sickened. <laughs> By those, I couldn't live in those people places they might to get to know my actions. I think it's a gem, absolutely. Front to back, no question. But here is a question. Is Stephen's song a gem and is it better than Frightened? Maybe if you give us a blast, Phil, and we'll make that decision. Maybe this is the best song. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe it this is, is the best we'll soon find out, won't we? Hope Gavin Fried is involved. <laughs> an acquired taste, isn't he? Alistair, Stephen's song. Is it your yeah, kind of thing? I like it, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, Gav's not too bad on there, is he, really? Uh, he's, he's definitely done a lot worse before now. He's got like a folky quality to it. You know, it reminds me, of, in a way, Richard Thompson, something like that. But yeah, yeah I, I, do, I do like that one. Uh, not got a great deal to say about it because I've left me notes upstairs while I go and do myself a coffee. But yeah, it's, it's a great one. You say it's kind of like cyclical. I can imagine it being a good plodder, but I've not been out there with my headphones on yet to it. Well, still time, isn't there? How about you, Ezra? Stephen's song. Have you forgiven Gavin for, for past discretions Gavin's and transgressions? Great. Aggressions, transgressions, regressions, pregressions, all the peregrinations, all is forgiven, Gavin. You're all right. I'll tell you of the rats in this world, men coming between each other for the sake of a two-minute urge. It is headless, worth $5, London, and cursed, and on. He embraced his self-imposed gorgeous adult net. Now, according to the annotated fall, and potentially even according to Marky e. Smith himself, this song's about plagiarism. But I don't really buy that. To me, this song has got such a kind of triumphant, happy kind of feeling to it. I think it might be about Mark getting married to Bricks and kind of singing about how, you know, just being in love with a, a wonderful American lady is enough to shield you from the trepidations of this world. I'm not sure, but that's what occurred to me this morning after I had my third glass of white wine. Yeah, you know, in terms of the quality of the song, I think it's insurmountable. 
We'll say about that, won't we? Brian, what about this one for you? Is it a song you're familiar with and uh, or is it new to you? Um, it's probably new to me. I maybe have heard it. I'm sure I've heard that album. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I kind of agree with Alistair. It's got a kind of swinging, almost pagan uh, rhythm to it, like a bit cel- celebratory, you know, which is not a word used to describe the fall very often, I would say. Yeah, but I, I like it. It's got that um, <clears throat> rhythmic, repetitive thing that the fall do so well, where it seems like it sounds like Marky e. Smith is just riffing, riffing the stream of consciousness, the stuff that spews from his brain uh, over a rhythm. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's uh, quality, quality fall. Yeah, this is one that I've heard here and there, but um, I can never remember what it sounds like until we got into this and I gave it a few good listens and um, it lodged itself in there. about um, Timothy over there? I don't know if, he, if he's going to get on board with this one. Well, we all are always a big fan of Gavin Friday, don't we? Uh, so let's see, he has daubed with blood onto the rice pepper of uh, eternity. The only Friday entry that doesn't ruin the song that said, it reeks of the period, and so it's a bit twee and chugga-chugga and the old cherry red or McGee on it. doesn't really go anywhere that interesting. The best bit is when Bricks does a bit of the la-laing and cuts through the murk. I also like when the quiet guitar track cuts through the bridge briefly. Okay. Mm, so this is from the Escape Route EP, which is a wonderful and frightening era, and so she's just, Bricks has just come onto the scene, and so that idea of uh, being in love first flush and uh, marriage and and so on definitely could be in the air um yeah decently surprising uh, friday may actually improve the track because there's a janice long session where i think bricks does the gavin friday stuff and i actually prefer the one where friday's singing not least of all because it's so unusual to have two male singers duetting and being like almost singing on top of each other and then when you throw in the lyrics about uh the two men coming between each other for the sake of a two-minute urge. Are there hints being dropped? <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. But I'll tell you, I see Smith as being the negative voice in most lyrics, and Gavin Friday seems to have a more positive tinge. So Med says things like his um, floating grey abundance against my palace of conscious. And then Friday's like, our hero deeply loved moonlit walk walks past privet and wide-leaved foliage. I don't know, I'd have to read it a little bit closer to see, but there seems to be two perspectives going on. Nice phased effect on, on the on the uh, the vox. And um yeah, there's a there's a medieval pagan Irish kind of tinge going on. And maybe, maybe Phil, when he gets there, you know, being a, an expert musician, can tell us why that is the case. There's some kind of marching style drums, but that little turnaround, there's a the structure of the song's a little bit strange with that turnaround. Um, keeps it interesting, but um, up against a biggie. I, I thought, um, like, Brix's vocal on there would have really suited, uh, you know, like doing that riff using a, uh, a recorder against, like, fitting with the folk stuff. I did think that uh, a recorder would have gone really well on that, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bugger for daft little instruments like that, you know, stick a kazoo on it. I'm, I'm made up. <laughs> Easily pleased, like myself. Philip, what about you? Yeah. <coughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with Al, though, really. It's, it's missing something for me. I'm not a big fan of this 
style of uh, this genre. Anything that reminds me of the Levelers is going to turn me off, and that's that's what this is channeling for me. That ter- the turnaround is the strongest bit in the song, and it sounds to me like that's lifted from something. It's, I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but it sounds to me like it's been taken from something else, and I can't tell whether it's a folky thing or whether it's a classical thing that's referencing folk music or traditional music. Do you know what I mean? Like, who's it? Um, Stravinsky lifted all them folk tunes and stuff mm. so it's got that vibe but it's uh, Gavin Friday's voice does absolutely nothing for me whatsoever and as soon as I hear him and his unique approach to vocals it kind of turns me off a bit so that combined with the uh, the full levelers kind of vibe it was really scoring quite low for me the whole st- it's the sea shanty rhythm that it's got going on, isn't it? Which is what gives it that <laughs> kind of vibe and the and the sort of folkiness to it. It's uh, I think a hurdy gurdy or something like that would have uh, would have limed it up, just dropping a little bit of that because they wouldn't have played it properly, would they? You know, whenever they it's when they have their own go at playing these these other instruments, I think that's when it sounds the best. So maybe that would have livened it up a bit and uh, given it a bit more personality. But for me, it's just a bit flat. Production's a bit flat, it's missing something, it's just a little bit too, it's a bit, I was a bit bored by about halfway through it, to be honest with you. Hey, nonny, nonny. Um, <laughs> it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was Go on, sorry, Brian. Alistair would probably uh, connect with this, but the Wigan band, uh, the Tansads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all know the Tansads. We know the Tansads. We know Kettle and Co. He's got a new kind of folky thing been going on for the last day. Yeah, yes, so, yeah. Uh, Merry Hell, I think. Yeah, they were kind of, quite decent. I heard uh, some of their stuff. I think they're doing um, quite well, yeah. yeah. And, and they had a, one of those famous one-line reviews, scathing review from the NME, and it just said, hey, nonny, no. Okay. <laughs> Brought to mind. Fair enough. Just vicious. Just vicious. They were vicious people in the eighties and nineties. Those uh, (laughs) critics. Um, The. I think that's Gavin Friday's last song of the three he did. I think we've listened to all three now, and I don't think any of the, I didn't think the previous two went through. So this could well be very well the last time we hear G Friday. Um, yes, hopefully. <laughs> for better or worse. Let's take a vote. Um, Ezra? Yeah, you know, I just want to say a few words in defence of the Hey Nonny Knows. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a band called Carolina Rainbow. I, I'm sure some of you know about them. Um, and, you know, that's really what folk music is all about for me. And if you don't like that, then I'm not sure if you're a human being or not. I've never um, heard them, so I will I will take that as a recommendation. As a, I recommend well. Scrambled Egg Mistook as a Wife. It's a good album. It's a wilder take on folk, I will say. It's cool, though. Cool stuff. Mm, one of my favourite bands. But anyways, to get back to this, yeah, I think Stephen's song's fucking awesome, but I'm going for Friend. Fair enough. Um, yeah, myself in defence of the folk. I've just uh, finished that Electric Eden, the book, and um, I'm reading another one about uh, uh, Incredible String Band, a big fan of all that stuff, the psyche stuff and the folky stuff. Uh, give me that all day long, but I don't think the fall do it very well in this particular track. And um, and Frightened is just a monster. It's going through. It's going through. Alistair? I'm frightened. I, Philip? 
I think it's uh, listening to you all justify your uh, positions on folk music is quite interesting. Given, yeah, he, he was talking about um, the fall being modern folk music, wasn't it? Maybe need to maybe need to have a special where we uh, we talk about folk on it as well and, and kind of. But I don't think they do traditional folk very well. I think they do new folk excellently. We can call it. I've got folk on it. Have <laughs> <But> folk off. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we're going for Frightened now, we feel. <laughs> and t- Tim's gone for Frightened, I'm guessing, has he? I'm going to guess so too. Can't see him. Yeah, yeah. three. And uh, Bry? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the protocol is uh, regarding the tracks, is it? It's Wild West. Just which one of those two do you want to send through to round two and which goes in the bargain bin? Is it rules? Oh, so, they, so it's, it's in pairs of two. That's right. Okay, I get it. Uh, it would have to be frightened of the two. Fair enough. So I would put through to the next round or whatever. Yeah. Let's move on to the Elton John cover, Life Just Bounces. the only song the fall recorded twice in two different versions on on a f- official studio albums they did on the shift work and then they had another pop at it and the one you just played there was off cerebral caustic um where we at Ez- ezra what do you think of uh, life just bounces <laughs> it, it it's hilarious i mean to start off with i have an uh, i have a bias for any song that tries to reassure me so, you know I, I mean like things like you do right or um you know 1979 by the stooges don't worry be happy um almost all everything by the beach boys always look oh, on the bright side exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That you Bob Marley I mean? one. Yeah, yeah. All those songs, they... they be so shy. You know, they stop me from doing something silly, so I quite like them. Um, and, <laughs> and this has almost kicked itself up into the higher echelon just by virtue of being such a deadbeat version of this genre where it's just saying, well, yeah, you know, fucked up shit happens all the time. But, you know, that's just a case of life bouncing. So just, you know, just keep your eyes on the ball or don't keep your eyes on the ball. But that's, that's you know, that's it. Just just shut up, basically. And, and so that's wonderful. You know, that, that's really, that's really moving. 
Um, and it's also based on an Elton John song. And the the, the video of that uh, was, I watched it today and it was traumatizing watching the preening of like Elton John in the, in the, in the fucking, you know, heyday of his coke infused, infused years. Just, I mean, you really have to ask who are the freaks here? You know, I mean, looking at that, but and and then there's this great lyric: the prescriptions filled, but I'm amazed at their standards. I watch with a tight lip, retina amazed. <laughs> and, and and this one, I I also drew all these pictures whilst I was listening to it. I don't know if you can see them. Very nice. Yeah. So I think this. Song, I do that. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think this song's up there with. Just step sways as you know, just something to really live by, and I like it a lot. It's beautiful, beautiful. Bry, do you share Ezra's enthusiasm for this ditty? Well, um, Alistair sent me a link um, earlier in the week to Is the suitable for broadcast. Oh uh, yeah, to the uh, a link, and I think it was the the other version you spoke of. Yeah, shift work a little bit cheesier, a little bit more uh, Casio. <laughs> yeah, and as you, as you referenced Elton John, it's probably common knowledge. I didn't know, but my instant reaction upon hearing it was to "Don't Go Breaking My Heart," which must be the song it's referencing. It is. It is. Well done. Yeah, I just thought, oh my God, it's, uh, it's don't go breaking my heart. It took a few seconds to register what it was, but it came through fairly fast. Yeah, so that's quite a subversive thing to do in, in its own way. Um, yeah, it's I quite liked it. Not as much as other, other fall tracks, but um, we shall see how it fares with the following one. Aye, it's um, it's definitely a bold move um, to to steal the steal an Elton hit and repurpose it, um, but absolute absolute genius from front to back. <laughs> what does Tim think about it? So Tim has shouted into the void. Not a bad song live, but this recording is fucking bored and boring. Limp and overly basic. Sounds like a demo with a guide vocal track. He's a lost soul, truly. Uh, I I fear for him. He's a barb. Um, He's just a barb. Dr. Boring had a relationship with a drug company and I'm half associated with the Softness Group PLC. On, to D- on TV Today, possibly one of my favourite <laughs> Smith lyrics, on TV Today, <laughs> somebody claimed their dog had been molested by a textile chemist. Life just bounces, so don't you get worried at all. Um, that great descending and then ascending kind of riff that's super cheesy, the super cheesy synth horn break. Smith shoehorning these ridiculous lyrics in, <laughs> then the don't worry, be happy vibe going through. Is he actually being positive? I can't tell. But he clearly loves the lyrics because he did this version, then then the cerebral caustic version. Then on that solo album, that Panda Panza Panda, he did he reads the lyrics at a spoken word event. So um, and he's like giggling to himself all the way through. Um, yeah, um, and Danny, you know, of course, you know, detective extraordinaire that we had on last week on the annotated fall found uh, <laughs> a news story from 1990. Davis Thomas, David Thomas. This is 1990, a year before. Before the shift work version came out, a tr- petroleum chemist of Eli Cardiff was fined £1,000 after being found guilty of cruel ill-treating of four puppies by flushing them in the lavatory. Um, wonder whether Smith saw that and took it, uh, or whether the textile chemist thing, which is strangely specific, came from somewhere else. But um, bad news. And I'm glad that man was fined. And I hope he changed his wicked ways. Sounds like a real joke. Phil, what do you make of the song? 
Right, I kind of got obsessed with the, uh, the the riff in this, where you've got that sort of semi-chromatic guitar riff that goes Yeah, and then the bass line that it's, it's playing off, which just reminded me of some kind of uh, sonic pong that's going on between the uh, the stringed instruments in the uh, in the music. And I thought you could almost say that they bounce off each other, Brendan, which I, which I thought was very clever, given the given the name of the song, which has bounce in it. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot like life. So I, I was I, I thought I, I went on that that journey that you go on sometimes with these these pieces of music of picking. That is one of the cheesiest, most horrible things I've ever heard. To after about the tenth or eleventh time of them doing it, thinking that is fucking genius. <laughs> And uh, and loving it, so I, I mean, I I I just like the vibe in this song, and I think it's what Ezra put his his finger on. It's that uh, it's the positive negative can't quite put your finger on it sort of thing that he's got going on, which uh, which means that I, I really like this one. And our old um, funny chum Albert Camus himself apparently said. You'll never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. Our old absurd king, him. So when you said before that the four were originally called the Outsiders, mm-hmm. uh, was that a Camus reference, the Outsider, or yeah, is it a Colin Wilson, or is it both? I think the only thing I've read is some of the early uh, in, interviews and stuff where they talk or, or talk about the early times and they were originally called the Outsiders, and uh, maybe there was another band and then they changed to the fall to keep in that ca- Camus realm. I you have to ask uh, Una if you see her. Yeah, well, I, I heard they were called the outsiders after, well, she named after where the toilet was. Right. I should also add at this point, because I missed it, he also, it's confirmation of his precog abilities because he predicts the man pun in this song. Predicts <laughs> well. Score it up. Get on the phone to Dano. That's another one. He's done it. He's nailed it. it top it's there. It's there. Top not. I know he is. Right in front of your eyes. I saw it. It's precog. If you just look, if you just listen. And um, but the next one, did was he precog or postcog in citing the minder theme tune? It's wrong place, right time. Off curious orange. What about me, Brendan? Sorry, Al. I'm losing it yeah, early. You don't get to go. You Stop. don't get to go anymore. You've, you've pushed <laughs> it too far. Stop the clocks. Stop all the clocks. Al, what do you think? What do you think of the song Life? I'll be quicker putting the music on next time. No, but wins this, lad. Uh, uh, um, yes, I, I'm a, with Tim Three on this one a bit, but at the same time, love all the lyrics. Uh, I think the guitar riff just dominates like a bunch of the synths, like very cabaret. The acoustic uh, version's much better. The vocal's very kind of like relaxed, but um, the guitar riff, you know, you know, about the chromatic scale kind of thing, it's almost like it's laughing at you, um, which kind of reminded me of that Resident song, uh, which Brian will probably be able to tell you the, the title of. And I was thinking, you know, repeated listens, you know, I warm to this one because, you know, there's like a moronic quality to it that, um, you know, completely is my cup of tea. But, no, didn't happen. Oh, la la, indeed. Maybe I can have a look for that resident song while we're listening to the next track. Wrong place, right time. Yeah, is it all right if I put it on now, Al? Anyone else want to say anything? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll send you a, a written permission note. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have to take that to the post office and then you can play it. Excellent. Aye, aye. <laughs> 
quite carried away then. Oh, well, let's go to Timothy first and see how he's holding up. It's, uh, it's not my favourite, it's got some punch to it. Most fall tracks based around a single riff that's driven into the ground usually have some sort of contrapuntal interest with aspects shifting in the background to keep the ear entertained. The fact that the guitar, bass and vocals are just the same thing over and over again makes it a bit annoying. This version also gets a pointless reprise of something else for a few seconds. I am with him. I think the fact that the riff just batters you over the head and doesn't do anything, um, it'd have to be a great riff and uh, it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. It goes into Van Plague halfway through for a bit, which is, is cool. It's a cool tune, but we've already heard that song. And Smith loved it. Apparently, he stayed in the set for like like years afterwards. They played it over and over, and um, it, it it is one of the few on the album that actually deals with William of Orange in terms of its lyrics and not some obtuse reference to him. And I do the thing the thing that saves it for me in any sense is Smith's lyrics and uh, his shoehorning in of them as well, which I, I always like. See me a new reign, a new reign not to be forgotten. Right place, right time, and Britain is mine, and all the peasants will know orange. Um, uh, not enough going on for me, unfortunately. Pip, what do you think? Beautiful, big, meaty bollocks of the baseline. The dog's bollocks. Balls the size of King Kong. Buster Gonad, the boy with unfeasibly large testicles. Ballsy, balls out. Guy... <laughs> I need a wheelbarrow for his balls. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of balls going on. It's a big ballsy. Everything's balls with you, isn't it? It's it's a bit ballsy today. I, uh, I I really like this. I think it's a proper strong riff. I think the tone of it all just sounds wonderful right from the off. And uh, I can imagine this at a gig being a great tune. It just ripped through everything. And is, I think the swagger that Smith gives the vocal line, I think, is absolutely top-notch. So I really like this. I don't think it needs to do anything else. I think the testosterone alone just uh, carries it through. Fair enough. He did say, I wrote every note and every word of it. That was Smith's claim. <laughs> don't know how much he can stand by that. Um, Alistair, you're up. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with uh, Mr. Pippington Rigby on this one. Um, uh, and he's definitely earning his cross line with that solid bass line. Funky side doing a, a really good job uh, of making repetition interesting. There's hardly any sort of like complex, well, it's not complex fills in it, a couple of t- t- kind of things going on, but uh, it's just like solid, harsh, re- repetitive. It's it, for me, it's quintessential fall kind of uh, territory. And the way that they just chuck in like the middle eight, really, really short, and then just straight back into you know like that, that monotonous riff, uh, I think works really well. It's it's taking no prisoners, yeah. And then you got your, your Kit Kats after that, don't you? And, uh, Aye, aye. <laughs> right people, right time, wrong situation. I was going to mention the Kit Kat advert. I didn't drop it into the... But it's, I mangled the quote anyway, so maybe it's not a reference to the Kit Kat advert. You can't sing. You can't play. Snap. You look awful. You'll go a long way. <laughs> have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Ezra, 
What do you make of this? Yeah, I love this track. Um, it, it's an alley earwormer. It just burrows in and, and it's always unpleasant. And, you know, maybe it should always be unpleasant. Maybe everything should always be unpleasant. I, you know, sometimes it's better that way, I think. And I love the line, I have to sing gothic. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Did William of Orange really have to sing gothic? And was he that upset about it? Uh, and then later on, I can't wait to taste anthrax turf again. And I actually Googled William of Orange to find out that if he ever did get to taste anthrax turf again. And as far as I know, anthrax turf is something that you would find in the tundra. And it seems like he never made it to the tundra in the beginning or the end or the middle of his life. So I'm not it's sure sad, what all it's that's It's a sad about. story, really, isn't it? But... I've not been there yet myself, but there we go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Genesis ripped off this track for Can't Sing, Can't Dance. I can't dance. Because I can't it sounds, <laughs> Yeah, because if you listen to it and then you speed it up to full speed, it's, it's basically the same thing. song. And also, you know, in the full version, they've got Can't Sing, Can't Dance. Nah, and nah. in the video, they're all doing that walk as well, where they're all... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think Phil Collins has got some questions to answer. He has definitely. I think we need to start something. But but yeah, I'd, I'd rather not hear anything from Phil Collins. You know, whether it's questions <laughs> or music. You know, I think we should pump him down. Really? I definitely, like, we should pump him down. He's having a tough time these days. Collins has been doing the old Mez trick as well because he's he's had to play a few gigs in a wheelchair. I, I go to for. Uh, our friend Smith. I've seen some pictures recently. Let's hope. That'll stop him jumping in the water, won't it? He'll get sick. If he'll get well soon. That's apocryphal. Bill, that never happened. I think it's all getting a bit MR James. Don't read the urban myths. I can't. Peasants smile, big shine, very happy under rule of orange. You can whine under rule of orange. I can't wait to taste anthrax turf again. Big Ren, homage, orange. I am orange. I have paid dues to the one who's number one in heaven. Can't sing, can't dance, cursed forever is William of Orange. It's beautiful. Brian, what do you make of this one? Yeah, at, at the risk of falling in with the consensus, yeah, I like it. As Alistair said, quintessential fall, uh, repetitive, um, <clears throat> in your face. Have I ever heard it live? It's, it's possible. The, one of the dilemmas of seeing the fall live is you say to yourself, will I know any other tracks? Well, it's certainly my, my dilemma. And if you if you do know one, it, it's kind of like a bonus and you get all giddy at the fact. So like, if it was in the set, uh, such a perennial track in the set, maybe I heard it live on time. Although I've not seen them that many times, to be honest. And my brain's all over the place now with all these cross-references to Phil Collins. I'm thinking about that paint pot that's always next to him, which is another one of those uh, great urban myths. Or maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Only time and, will uh, tell. Yeah, the tundra. The tundra. I'm thinking uh, the only other song that uh, references the tundra would be um, Frank Zappa, where he's, he's trund- uh, trailing across the tundra mile after mile until he encounters uh, St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast at the end. Very um, good. That's, that's where it's been sending my brain, this this discussion. Go with yeah. it. Ride that. Ride that toboggan all the way down Fall Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> fall off. Are we and done? As, for, as for any residence track, um, the, the residence, it's another one of those bands like The Fall where the, the sheer weight of material, it, it could be referring to anything, really, Alistair. I think it's called something like Dong or something like that. Might be off like Duck Stab or something. <laughs> well, listen, 
As a side note, I'd just like to say it'd be a great epitaph to have. He could be referring to anything on your gravestone. <laughs> Keep it open. There's no point in, in, in narrowing down your options at this point. <laughs> All right. I fear, I fear we are in a cul-de-sac. So let's take a vote. Life just bounces versus wrong place, right time. Ezra. It's Elton John's eyes. I've got to go for life just bounces. Okie dokie. Alistair. Wrong place, right time for me. Philip. I'm going, I'm a bit torn on this one, but I'm going to have to go uh, with the Pong-inspired guitar and bass of uh, Life Just Bounces. In my mind, we were going to the fingers. I had it down. It came down to you because I'm also going with Life Just Bounces. Bri, which way are you falling on this? Uh, I'm falling wrong place, right time. <laughs> it's a good, a good enough place to fall as any. What about oh. Tim 3? Wrong place. Oh, interesting. So it has gone to the fingers. So here's how this works, Bri. You can vote up to three points for each of the two songs, and I'll count them up. So show me a score out of three, everyone, for Life Just Bounces. We're at three, four, five, six, seven. And what about Tim? He's given it uno. So that's eight points. That is a very low score. Oh, Bri's there. He's added two more. So that's ten. Still, it's got its work cut out. All right, wrong place, right time. That was wrong place, wasn't it? No, no. No, that was life just bounces all oh, right sorry so um tim didn't give that one one he gave life zippity doodah okay zero he's given this one one that takes it to nine one point for tim fingers once more time gentlemen for wrong place right time that is three six no no i'm not doing three i'm doing one three six seven eight nine and he's added one which takes it to ten which means it ekes through life just but um wrong place right time just sneaks through by one point oh dear Okay, can I put my can I put my vote for life just bounces up to three? Yes, you can. Yeah, okay. That takes it to ten All points. Right. So we're gonna to have to come up with some solution as to how we decide which one goes through. And I'll, I'll, put, mine up, I'll put mine up to three as well then. <laughs> I don't think this is fair anymore. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll still like King Mog. <laughs> Well, I'll come back to this later. Let's move on. <laughs> Stay away. We're playing by your rules, Brendan. Playing <laughs> exactly, by your exactly. Rules. I know. Stay away, old white train. Off, um, what's it off? Light user syndrome, is like, it? Right. Actually, just, just at the start of this, I, I want to just point out how anemic this... It, I, I got this idea, lads, at the start of it. The song's about a train, right? The song's about a train. Let's put a train whistle at the start of the song. What's the weakest train whistle we've got? When I was a young man, yeah, I really do it all. Oh, 
the train sounds and the whistle all the way through <laughs> are not overly convincing. This is a Carl Burns allowed to sing one after being in the band for 20 years on and off um, and decides to just do an Iggy Pop impression, which he does not particularly well. Um, it seems to be slightly out of his range. Um, a cover version, which already means it's got its work cut out. Alistair's giving it zero. I do actually like the three <laughs> Vox interplay that happens at times, but the generic karaoke backing. The what? And the what Vox interplay? What is this? What? <laughs> <laughs> just, just say that again. <laughs> But does that require a little more just uh, explanation? I really like the three box interplay. <laughs> well done, five points. Uh, at one point, Briggs and Smith and, uh, and Carl are all singing. It sounds nice, but um, but not much more to it than that. Um, yeah, Philip, what do you make of it? It's uh, it's <laughs> it's a unique one, isn't it? Uh, good old Johnny Percheck, eh? I, I know what we'll do. Let's do a Johnny Percheck number. To me, do you know what? I could go out of my head. It sounds like a soundcheck song, this. It sounds like one of them songs that the band plays when the singer fucks off because the singer doesn't like it. And then they go, right, let's do that song. Let's do that song. No, he's not here. And we could, you can sing, Cal. Yeah, all right, I'll sing. I'll do a Miggy Pop impression. It's that it just, it just comes across like that. So it's a bit sort of C-list, I think. It's not particularly inspired. It's not particularly energetic. Although, it is better than the Johnny Perchak version. I will give it that. I was surprised how different they were. And, how, yeah, I, it was actually a little better. Carl Burns apparently did, um, int- did try to play drums in Iggy Pop's band. I think it's in, in either Steve or Paul Hanley's book they describe I, I, it. Yeah, I heard they didn't like the vocal interplay that was, that was going on. <laughs> well, Iggy thought a four-way vocal interplay would have been better with him on it, but... Uh, wasn't to be Alistair um, what do you think about this gem uh, yeah, stay aware I think the first thing I wrote after it was yes please and then uh, yes please stay aware you know it's a cover um you know, you can tell that the song's a decent song. The drumming does me head in on it. It's just, like, completely unnecessary. I think, uh, you know, if, if you'd have left it down to the cramps to do this, they'd have turned out something considerably better. I don't think it's a particularly great cover, um, but it sounds like a decent song. Oh, what did you think of the vocal interplay? Um, I didn't think there was enough vocal interplay, really. Um, but, you know, it does get entertaining occasionally. Interesting. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what did you think of interplay, Philip? I thought, well, it's, it, given the, the number of vocals that were going on, I thought it was some quite advanced interplay that was going on, but I don't know whether it suited the song. Mm, yeah, yeah, maybe if they'd done it backwards or something, it might have appealed to certainness a little bit more, and, uh, you know, you, you could have, like, marketed it a bit more heavily. You know, number one in the certainness chart. Ezra, Absolutely. come on, save us. Yeah, you know, I think, I think an interesting question is, how much time does a person who's working versus a person who's unemployed have for full cover versions? Um, I think a dissertation could be could be written on that. I didn't have much time for this. Um, I think a little more vocal interplay could have helped. Really could have helped. Um, Maybe if you chucked a snare rush in there. 
I really hope that Carl Burns's son is paying attention and Ebby Junior. Uh, yeah, yeah, Carl Junior is paying attention, and hopefully we can hear some father-son ex um, excursions in the future. That's all I have to say on the matter. Indeed, Brian. What about uh, this one for you? Is it a charmer? It's it's a bit of an oddity, isn't it? I think. Um, I don't know if Alistair has a, a deeply ingrained distaste of fall cover versions, um, but I, I quite like uh, fall cover versions. I think it's something to cheer me up whenever the fall do a cover version. I, I, I'm not familiar with the original of this one, uh, which is sometimes often the case with, with fall cover versions, uh, quite obscure. But I do enjoy uh, when they do something uh, more instantly recognisable as a cover, uh, just the absurdity of it, like Lost in Music. Um, but this one didn't really do it for me. And I think the key thing is if Marky isn't on lead vocals, um, you're instantly in for a disappointment. I uh, think if you, when you've not got Mark on the main vocal, you don't have the same interplay really, on, the, on, the, on the record. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, makes a difference. To be fair, you know, full cover versions do make my soul smile, usually. Uh, the thing is, there's some great ones, but Alistair, in his old stubborn ways, he refuses to vote for a cover version on principle, regardless of how good it is or how bad the song gets up against. Um I voted for many cover versions myself. And some real good ones have gone out just because of his, his pure spite. <laughs> uh, what about Tim 3? He's going to rip this to bits, isn't he? I think, I don't know, maybe he has surprises today. Uh, stay away, stay away. I think I will. Second time that joke has been made. Um, We're nothing if not uninventive. Exactly. Well, let's have a listen. It seems like none of us were smitten with that one. So let's have a listen to the vocal interplay that, that we may hear or not on Crop Dust. surprise for me this song god it grew on me though and i, I it, it went for me thinking oh this is it's it's nice 
but it's pretty basic the way it's put together and stuff and it's it sounds like it's been kind of slapped together a little bit in the studio the the opening sample really reminded me of like early Beck kind of stuff and he was hanging around with the Dust Brothers and that kind of thing and then you've got the 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 sort of Mediterranean guitar riff that, that comes over the top of it and um, it it really does something to the song I think it really works quite quite beautifully well and the 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 vocal texture of of Smithy over the top of it really turns it into something quite magical when it all comes together. So I went from not knowing this tune, thinking, being a little bit dismissive first time that I heard it, to, to it really, really becoming a, a bit of a favourite this week. I've listened to this one quite a lot. Aye, aye. Alistair, what about you? Oh, I love it. It's, it's great. Um, I kind of like posted a song on the... Uh, podcast whatsapp thingy um to, to a, a song by brain ticket who were uh, uh from the same place that albert hoffman came from in uh, in austria it's like 60s side band i think that that lp's on the uh nurse with wound list but yeah there's there's similarities there definitely with the ref and the repetition if you don't know what check it out it's a great tune uh, but i do like the psych approach and uh, the vocal delivery like and uh, you know it gets growly and uh Tommy Cooperish at times, and uh, I love the, uh, the the pissing around with the production. You know, it's kind of like that dubby approach again, where Smith probably just got ah, fuck off. I'm doing this, like you know, uh, and uh, the ending on it is it's just brilliant. Uh, like they kind of go through a, a sudden reprise, um, you know, like from a from a fade out, and then just like cut it off. <laughs> it's like fuck off. <laughs> We're not having any more of this. But yeah, there's a really like monksy groove to it uh, as well, I think. And uh, the guitar gets a bit desert bluesy at times, but it all works well. Um, it's a great tune. It's one of those that's it's very unconventional uh, in some respects, but in others, it's dead repetitive. I, uh, the, the, in terms of that Nurse of the Wound list, the other week I was having a look through um, some of the records on it, and um, there's someone who's got a blog and they're going through every single artist on there. And lo and behold, it's the same fellow who does the Falling Fives blog, Steve, who we had on a while back. I was still got to the bottom and it's like, Steve Prick. I was like, what, what is he? What, you know, but it's great stuff. That that, turn, that list stands up like 30 odd years later is just a massive. So I've, I've, I've missed the context of this. Is this a list of uh, albums that Nurse by Wound have put out? Or? No, so no, no. Go on, Al. Do you want to? Hey, well, for what? No, it's, it's just a list that they did of like recommended stuff. Um, and probably a lot of stuff on there that Brian will be very familiar with as well. Uh, he's probably very familiar with Nurse with Wound. But uh, yeah, it's, it's worth checking out. It's dead easy to find. Uh, there's lots of sort of like Craig Rocky experimental, unconventional LPs and artists on there. Um, and, you know, there might be one or two gems in there that you're unaware of and you'll, you'll grow to love. Some stuff that's got fairly well known since then, like, you know, some of the crowd rocky stuff, the brain, you know, brain ticket stuff that wouldn't have, you wouldn't have just been able to get hold of at all. And I, th- I don't know when he, when he when he made the list, but I think basically the first album or second album came with, like, the cover had all these artists and, and records written on it. It was on the first album, yeah. It was on the first album, yeah. And, so, and, and uh, Steve's doing the, the Lord's work going through it all and like you know you can go on his blog and you just there's hours of fun in there it's fantastic stuff um ezra what about crop dust yeah fucking brilliant infallible as so many full songs are um really interesting that alistair was talking about 
was that it was kind of brilliant that you get from Spectre versus Rector and it's the murk you get from the best from the 60s and it, it's just pure pure filthy murk and I love it I love a bit of murk and from you know this album Are You Are Missing Winner is becoming a firm favourite of mine because it's got all these ridiculous kind of fade outs and like it, it's constantly wrong footing you as the listener um, and the lyrics are just fantastic. Your liver is one. Your brain is a twelfth of a fourth off. <laughs> it, and and then the the kind of the story that it seems to be telling. It's like some kind of fracture in time where there's been this film crew out filming something, and then there's this enormous gash that opens up in time. And then, you know, the film crew are trying to deal with this and then there's adverse weather, it's raining and there are ominous thundering hymnals and there are shattered skyscrapers and soldiers in green coats and what what is it, Pickel Hauben, which are those pointy German soldier helmets. Uh, and and then there's the old singer from Manchester in the 1990s, which is a past incarnation, I presume, of Marky e. Smith. It's brilliant sci-fi told through the medium of Merck. And God damn it, we need more of this kind of thing. It's funny you say that, because one of the things that I, I didn't mention before is as I was listening to this more and more, it really reminded me of, um, it was just very cinematic. You can imagine it turning up in a soundtrack to, to, to like a Hollywood movie much in the same way that Hit Priest was used in Silence of the Lambs. And it just, it's its weird that that song fits so well, but it does fit perfectly. And I was imagining this in being in some like thriller, some kind of like sexual horror thriller of, of something. It just, it's just got that cinematic vibe for me. Basic instinct. Yeah. Legs crossed, <laughs> everyone. Right, what about this one for you, uh, Crop Dust? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, it brought to mind to me Julian Cope with his kind of take on the kraut rock influence and the psych with that kind of 60s stomp to it before. And it suddenly went all weird in a kind of butthole surfers lost in the Indian takeaway vibe suddenly comes in, which they do very well, where he's suddenly disorientated and thrown into some speeded up brown voices. Um, I mean, if you said to me, what's your favourite Fall album? I would probably say in, in Alan Partridge style, uh, the best of the fall, because I'm more of a, a singles guy. I know all the singles, so I'm, I'm less uh, well-versed as you, than you other guys. Um, it's one of them tracks where I think you listen to John Peel and he's, he's sounding uh, uncharacteristically buoyant for once. And it's because there's a new Fall album out, which of course he features. And uh, it's one of those tracks where you'd say, oh yeah, there's a new Fall album out. John Peel's all excited. And he would play something like that, which uh, you don't expect. So I, I like that about it. Um, it's a bit like you were talking about all these songs are now <clears throat> more available a great source for me are those soul jazz uh, rock samplers, which I think they've released four of them now, and I've got them all mostly on vinyl. And uh, they're a great source of the, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a great label. And those, um, yeah, those Krautrock um, LPs they put out, you've got a few of them, Phil, I, I think, right? I have, I have one or two Krautrock LPs, yes. Good stuff. <laughs> it sounds like a confession. <laughs> so like it's a self-help group. 
<laughs> but it's funny. I've, I've I've been doing a real deep dive into into European seventies music over the last few months. Which is it was weird that I don't remember you buying that Brain Ticket album, Ali. If, if I was with you when you when you purchased it, but Brain Ticket's a band that I've been getting into over the last few weeks, really, which is a weird coincidence. But I think they're more seventies and sixties, really. I think they kind of come out of that that genre of, of bands. But um, well, 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 worth listening to. Proper good experimental stuff. Yeah. The weird thing about this is that it's a trick they only did once. The the playing over that slowed down sample and it's so effective. It's like a masterclass in how to keep that sample interesting over like five minutes. It never outstays its welcome. Um, like the chugging garage riff. And then I think that um that riff he brings in, and it's in some weird kind of like yeah, eastern tinged kind of mode uh, of playing that um that brings to mind is Phrygian, which is using a lot of metal songs and stuff. And um it's Anatolian um, originally. It's 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 a Turkish mode, okay. but it, it's kind of it's it's using a lot of like classical uh, classic classical greek music okay. it's, it's like a it's quite an old mod it's like from an antiquity but i think it's also shorthand in the 60s garage world for exotic ism so like you get the seeds and things that will drop in like those kind of um uh, those kind of weirdy um, exotic sounding kind of vibes that go on over the top of a pretty standard garage rock but uh, it, it's brilliant there's some filtered sample action coming there's stuff going on all the way through this is the TLC band the um, the one that um, they stuck around for about three albums Are You a Missing Winner and uh, were the on Heads Roll um, and uh, he did claim at one point that it was a precog for 9-11 but I think that's a bit of a stretch um, is that everyone? Have we heard from everyone? Have we heard from Tim Three on this um, crop dust? He said, "This is more like it." Also has a winter style numbering system that makes little sense here too. Mark is in perfect drawling and toothless form. Whenever I make a fall compilation, this inevitably ends up in there somewhere. Prime fall, as good as anything from the eighties. Indeed. So I think it is a foregone conclusion, Ezra. Yeah, crop dust. Me too, Bry. Yeah, crop dust. Al. Crop dust it is. Well, um, pity vote. Yeah, crop dust. It's a rout. Last showdown of the day is the Venice Wit Girls. Cure up, if you don't mind. You're up first. Yeah, well, I quite like Venice for the Girls. A good little pop tune, isn't it? Um, could have been a bit more of a pop 
punk uh, bubblegum kind of thing if you'd had uh, somebody else singing on it, I think. Uh, its vocals are great. Um, I quite like the effects used on the, the backing vocals and uh, a lot of fun. And the, the, the bridge in it reminds me quite a bit of um, Lexicon Devil by The Germs, uh, uh, which the Melvins did quite a nice cover of. But yeah, I quite like it. It's a sweet tune. It's got There's a couple of tunes at that in that era that remind me Dinosaur Jr. as well, and this is one of them. I don't think it's as gnarly as as their stuff is. I think it's a little tamer than uh, I'd like it to be, but I think it's got that kind of vibe. What about it's got like that feel to it? It's indie, which is weird because it's like the, the they had that meaty pub rock era of Imperial Wax era, and it's the same band, but they somehow went past that, and the last three albums don't have as much of that pub rock whiff. So there was a bit of a change. I'm not sure what happened, but um, basically, us. I prefer it for sure. Ezra, Ezra, muted your daft bugger. Sorry, I am muted. I'm a daft fucking bugger. But anyway, I I will start from reading from my notes. And this is what the notes say. A nice spaz around the block, spaz in the eye, courtesy of a handsome fella with spaz hands. This fella is too beautiful to be in plain sight. Spends time in Britland, mocking demented elders. He's been waiting for her to go to Venice with the girls, open brackets, so he can unsheath his spaz hands, question mark, question mark, close brackets. This track feels like it needs some kind of kitchen sink video to further decode it. Beautiful. Uh, and, a... and yeah, you know, like it, 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 it's, it's got some nice, nice elements to it. I like it when it all kind of crumbles apart and he's going like spaz hands, spaz hands. But in some ways, it feels a bit pedestrian. Aye, aye, aye. Brian, what do you make of uh, Venice Wit Girls? Yeah, I like it. Nice, a nice bouncy number, bouncing along. I, I always like those fall songs where he just kind of interjects with a ha every now and again. Uh, all in of them. Between, uh, yeah, all of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I like his vocals on it. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's classic fall. Uh, it ticks all the boxes. Um, I'm not sure what he's singing about, but that's that's like all of them as well, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, Venice with the Girls, it made me think of, uh, with my old band, uh, we played in Venice, and it was the last it was the last concert of the tour, and uh, we still wanted a drink afterwards. And then <clears throat> this girl, it was some, something to do with the organisation, Croatian girl, beautiful, and she said, I'll take you to a bar that might still be open. So we wandered through these narrow streets in Venice to this little bar called the Café Bleu. And um, after a few drinks, the guy wanted to know who we were, what we were doing there, and we, we told him. And he'd seen the, the, the posters in, this, in the streets because uh, we used to wear these big pointed-headed helmets. So it was quite a striking uh, image. And we said, we're the guys with the big pointy helmets. And he said, all right, uh, when, do you, when do you go back? And we said, tomorrow. And he said, no, I'll stay an extra day and play in my bar. So we somehow managed to cobble it together. It involved uh, carrying the equipment on the back of gondolas. Well, not quite gondolas, but riverboats. And I was terrified that my Jupiter 8 was going to fall in the water. So I was clinging onto it. And we managed, because you know, it was right in the middle of the lagoon, so there are no cars allowed in. So we had to transport all the, all the band's gear either on foot over these little bridges, like with the biggest hangover you've ever had, or on the back of a boat. We managed to pull it off. We stayed an extra night, thanks Did to uh, Venice with the girls. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Brian, didn't you have a, a, a police-armed response to, to the helmets once? Yeah, that, the that was also uh, twice, actually. But one time, in, it, it did happen in Italy. The guy in um, 
the promoter said when when you play in Genoa, there's a little record shop and he's, he has a lot of psychedelic music. And every time a psychedelic band plays in Genoa, uh, you must visit his shop and uh, he'll take a picture of him with the band and put it on the wall. So we did that. And there were all kinds of people on the wall and this guy grinning in the middle, you know, with, with various uh, hippie trippy bands. And so he said, well, you, you'll have to go in full stage regalia. So we did. We were traipsing down the streets of, of Genoa in our crazy get-up. And after we did the photograph, we came out and the Italian police were there. And it was literally <laughs> the butt of a gun at your neck, screaming in Italian. And we're saying, what's he saying? What's he saying? And, and this, this guy from the record shop, is said, take off the masks, take off the masks. You know, and just, like. yeah, some, somebody said there's, there's some guys in the area wearing masks and they just thought, I'm robbery. So they came at us fairly heavy, but we we apologised. And the same thing happened in Lee uh, some years earlier. Oh. <laughs> <Making> <laughs> That's to be expected. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Making a pop video with some students and uh, we arrived at the location and we were just sitting around and one of the guys said, oh, go in that off-licence and get us some beers. I said, okay, and I went to take my mask off. And they said, oh, come on, part-time, leave your mask on, it would be funny. So I go in the off-licence and buy some beers, wearing a mask. And the guy looks out the window, sees three other guys sat in a parked car, also wearing masks, shits himself, presses the emergency button, and um, <clears throat> we go back to the location, we park the car up, waiting for the camera crew, and suddenly... There's a police car in front, there's a police car behind, there's a police car to the side, and there's a police helicopter above. So we got in a bit of shit over that one. Did you get the footage, though? Uh, no, no. Sadly, the camera crew had not yet arrived at that point. And when they did, all hell was, you know, breaking loose. What was the name of the band, Brian? Uh, the band was Poisoned Electric Head. Oh, I know. I, oh, I didn't know that was your band. <clears throat> yeah. Blimey, yeah, they were, uh, I saw that name and uh, landed around in the uh, days of the den. Oh yeah, yeah, the den, yeah, we played the den a few times. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, 80s, 80s, 90s, period. Sweet, good. Well, let's, um, let's. what does Tim 3 make of uh, the song Venice with the Girls? Tim 3 has thought classic late era fall, poppy and punky in the right ways, for the fully engaged Mez and lots of grumbling Mez voice. Kieran Mellon is on top form here with a simple but effective backbone that pushes, pushes onwards. Top class. I, I liked it a lot. I thought, had that, like I said, that Dinosaur Junior thing going along, some nice guitar action. <laughs> no vocal interplay, but a lot of guitar action. Energetic mess voice. I'm not sure if it's chopped up, though, because it's really in time on a fast song. And so I think there's a bit of Pro Tools action going on there, but it's a solid indie pop tune. Um, the, he's been waiting so long is seems to be taken straight from Look Back in Anger by uh, D. Bowie off uh, Lodger, which uh, I was talking to Ezra about earlier. It's uh, probably one of the most interesting Debbie Bowie albums for me. It's uh, it's a cool one. And that is uh, a total uh, Scott Walker ripoff, but one of Bowie's uh, best. And um it's a good, it's a good lift by the boys. Um, Venice with the girls apparently refers to an insurance advert as well. That uh, again, our friend Danny posted on the annotated fall, and uh, is is uh, as ridiculous as it would sound. And uh, you can see from watching the video how Smith would go on a train of thought that would lead him to 
to this nonsense, but um, let's move on. Is everyone had their uh, had a pop? You're not interested. Not interested in what I think about Spanish for the girls. <laughs> you're going to turn me into a. I, I ask you, you're going to turn me into a golf widow, Brendan. Oh, um, going on a trip to Venice with the girls. Have you watched it as well? Go on then. Yeah, no. This is this is one that my little girl loves. What's going on in the car because she gets to sing bat pants over the top of it, which uh. I think is a much more fitting lyric. It's a big stomper this one isn't it it's I, I love the the energy that it gets going and the, the momentum that it's 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 very competent riffing and there's it's, I don't think it's particularly inspired because I, I think it does sound a little bit like the stereophonics in places which is perhaps not a, a compliment but um it, it gets the pump going and um I, I love that little trill that they do in the chorus before it actually goes into the hook the which I, I think he's, he's pulled off excellently. And as soon as you get past the halfway point, it's kind of no looking back then, isn't it? It's, it just powers on through to the end. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's got its charms, for sure. But it's up against Kinder of Spine off Remit. Let's have a listen to this nonsense. Right, I'm coming to you on this one first. Kinder of Spine. So I'm, I'm assuming, it? I'm assuming from what you you said at the beginning, this is later, very later fall period. Yeah, this this <coughs> one is off the remake, which I think is this uh, third one from the end. So I think when remake, then sublingual tablet, and then new facts emerged. So it was a couple of years before <coughs> his passing. Yeah, I mean it's got a it's got a swagger to it, um, but it sounds a bit uh, a bit lost. It disjointed and lost. Um, it does remind me, I think the last time I saw the fall, it was at um, a festival called Sinner's Day, which they have on uh, in, um, I think it's in Belgium, or is it in Holland? It's ha- in Hasselt. Yeah, so it's in Belgium. And um, <clears throat> the fall played. That was the last time I saw the fall. And it, it, much of the set sounded like this. It sounded quite uh, disjointed, almost like he was poking you with a stick for his own amusement, you know, belligerent old bugger vibe about it. Uh, I think the only recognisable one for me was Mr. Pharmacist he played, but the rest was the, was this kind of uh, provocative audience-baiting music. So that's that's my take on this one. Fair enough. And uh, provocative audience-baiting music is uh, my bag. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm all about it. Um, what does Tim 3 think? He has said, funny as hell. A messy and endearing way. I don't think it's actually very good if you look at it as a track dispassionately, but as a performance, it's top class. It's interesting because it's it's written by Tim Presley, so basically it's, it sounds like several years after he'd left the band, he just for no reason gave them this song because it felt like a, a fall track to him. 
and someone's asked him, you know, oh, how do you, you know, how do you write your songs? Basically, he says, well, well, you know, see what comes out, but but they don't always fit on my albums. One time I got one, and every time I tried to put vocals on it, it sounded like the fall, so I gave it to them. And uh, Mark is singing about a spider on it. And uh, Izzy, Izzy, indeed, I think this is his most whacked out, out the vocal performance of any fall song. And it's also absolutely magical because I think with Crop Dust, he comes in, he sits in the mix and he, he keeps it moving along. But here, he is the only <laughs> good thing about this song. There is a generic indie rock kind of trundling along behind him. And then he just comes in all guns blazing with his proper Cooper and Soft Lad voices going between the two. Spider, oh, Spider. Oh, Spider Simon, oh, Spider Simon. <laughs> and um, it also seems to be sung from the perspective of a cat or a dog or something, because he's talking about getting his paw stuck in a duvet. Um, just beautiful, just absolutely fucking ridiculous delivery. And um, absolutely love it. And for some reason, even though I've listened to Remit a bunch of times, that's never stuck out to me before. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but it's beautiful. Pip, what about you? Well, I mentioned the Monks earlier on. For me, this is the most Monksy song on here uh, as a playlist. I, I, I And I loved that. I thought the feel right from the off makes it sound like a gem from the Nuggets or Pebbles or something like that. I thought it's got that great 60s psycho vibe going on. Um, it's <laughs> vocals and lyrics. It's all on the right side of stupid, isn't it? It's I, I, I absolutely adored it. I think of all the tunes this week, this is probably my favourite. And we've had some crackers on the on the on the playlist today. Um, but it just it gets a vibe going that I just I I can really dig. I I love the kind of nonsense crazy that about spiders or whatever that he's singing about. I'm I'm in for a penny, in for a pound, and all that. The musical vibe is is fab, and as a whole, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Sweet, sweet. It's a thin line, isn't it? But he's on the right side of it. Uh, Alistair, I'm sure you love this. I'm sure you do. The, the vocals did remind me of uh, sort of like Johnny Welly singing over the monks. Um, yeah, it's, it's bloody great. All stuff about spiders. Singing like, uh, over the monks. Johnny Welly's is famous. Is he? Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Johnny Welly's. Um, yeah, he used to change and things. We're not, we're not getting an in there. Not, not getting any explanation as to who Johnny Welly's is. Johnny Welly, he was, he, was a, he was a guy from St. Helens. He died recently. Um, and he, he was a bit of a St. Helens legend uh, for wearing wellies and uh, shouting at pigeons and being friendly to you one minute and then the next minute he'd be telling you fuck off. Typical yeah. St. Helens. He was this kind of nomadic nomadic character who just wandered around the town constantly um, speaking to everybody. And it, it was generally very nice. He did he have was. the odd outburst, yeah. And when he died, it was almost, um, it was akin to uh, Lady Diana, you know, in St. Helens. It, it, they had a state funeral, practically. And it, it, yeah. his funeral car did a whole tour of the whole borough and passed through every every little part of St. Helens. And people stood on the streets throwing flowers and crying. I mean, I, was, I wasn't in England at the time. I missed it by a, a week. 
But I went back just by chance on a visit to St. Helens and the, the air of the morning was palpable. You know, it really was, was similar to when Diana had St. Helens. There is talk of a statue. I don't know how it's uh, coming along. Yeah, Johnny Wellies. Yeah, the first time I ever met, uh, he, he, was, he was having a poo in a bin at a bus stop. Um, <coughs> and then he started telling me how much he liked What a guy. <laughs> Ezra, what do you think of, of uh, Kinder with Spy? <laughs> Go to Johnny Wellies. Oh, you know, um, I, I have to ask, who amongst us, you know, between poos and bins at bus stops, who amongst us hasn't wanted to sing a pean to an animal at three or four in the morning? I mean, I know I have. And it, yeah, it, it's just very beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. <laughs> I like the fact you muted yourself mid-sentence as well, uh, in true false style. Uh, Alistair, go on, finish up your thoughts. There's a bit of a like a Billy Childish, but more jammed out feel to it than the former Emin Jagger. Um, love the vocal delivery on it and the monk's groove. Smith gets a bit Roly Burke in QC on your ass with it. Uh, and, you know, like for, for the era, if, you, if you're comparing him to, you know, people who were his contemporaries in the 70s, you know, the likes of uh, Bernard Sumner or uh, Mick Fulchester United, Hucknall, he's left this fucking class. Like, you know, none of those crooners dirty go anywhere near that territory. Uh, and, you know, he, he bloody deserved a medal for it. He did. He did indeed. Sad loss. Mm. Fennis with girls versus Kinder of Spine. Uh, Spinner is uh, is German for spider, so this might be spider children. Who knows? Um, Ezra? It's the Kinder of Spine for me. Exactly. Me too. Alistair? Spine. Aye. Phil? I'm really, really torn on this because I do like bat pants, but um, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, be kind to your spine. And your spine, aye. And uh, Bri, what about you? Well, I'm, I'm probably a bit vanilla in my, in my fall tastes compared to the rest of yours. Um, I'm going to go with Venice with the girls. It's all good. Is it that there are, there's not no bad in there. It's all They're all gems. Tim, three? That's a good question, Brendan. Shall I have a look? Yes, please do. Venice. Oh, the hard. Oh, Lord. Surprised um, that. still gives us a 4 2. You would have swung it, Phil, if you'd have gone the other way. But uh, two legs changed. Moving on. Um, that that concludes proceedings, um, which means um, Frightened goes through, Crop Dust, Kinder of Spine, and we don't know about Life Just Burns as the wrong place. As of now, looks like wrong place might have gone through, but who knows? I'm going to check their numbers. Bri, thanks a lot for joining us. In I think well, it's you. one of our longest episodes, but it was full of fun detours. Thank you for having me. No problem. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah, if you invite me back, I will do uh, more diligent research and take notes. I saw that many amongst you have took uh, detailed notes. So I, I, shall, I shall make more effort next time. No worries. We appreciate you uh, spending time with us. And uh, chaps, next week we will do our first Mez solo round. So I will uh, be posting a whole bunch of nonsense in the in the chat to tell you the rules of that. But, uh, bye, everyone. Bye. 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 bye.